This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we're going to take a look into the dangerous world of political violence and then count down the top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And since then, we've seen more religious violence, which there's a theory that violence that has a religious angle to it tends to be more lethal. There are a handful of elements broadly that are looking at the concept of government and their ideas that the government is too big or too involved in American society and therefore it needs to change and more extreme elements may say that it needs to change by bringing down the whole system and I I don't feel like in my lifetime I've witnessed a time where people are so divided. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So we usually stay away from politics on this show. Just because people get mad, and I don't think that you're going to, whichever side you're on, I don't think that you're going to convince anybody. But it's also that mindset. That is something that our first guest studies. Because when you, when you look at the current world today, I don't think that anybody would make an argument that tensions aren't high. And those tensions can spill, can spill over into political violence. Our first guest has some fascinating insight into that world, both domestically here in the United States and also in terms of terrorism all over the world and the way that terrorist organizations are using the internet to really get their message across and to recruit people. This is political violence researcher Chelsea Damon. When you look at political violence right now, are we in a more violent time? We can't really say that we're in a time that's more violent or less violent. There's always been political violence and terrorism throughout history. And today, of course, we see a lot more, mostly in part because we're so connected as a society. So it's much easier to see what we see on TV or on the internet and think we're in a time of increased violence. Of course, we have seen a bigger uptick in certain types of political violence, or as we like to call it, terrorism as well, especially since 9-11 and the whole Al-Qaeda period that we saw. And then, of course, more recently in the last number of years, we had ISIS come onto the scene, which really increased a lot of the publicity that we heard about terrorism, as well as attacks both mostly in Iraq and Syria, of course, but also overseas in European countries, majorly. 
So when we talk about political violence, like what constitutes political violence and terrorism exactly? So there's debate on that. There isn't really an agreed upon definition, although many experts and academics will agree that there are certain elements that equal political violence or terrorism. And that usually includes using violence most of the time against a population of civilians and sometimes also government entities or areas, say like a embassy or a base, a military base, but using violence to create either political change or get a message of wanting political change. So using it also almost as what they call a theater of terrorism in the sense of many groups know that if they commit an attack or what we saw years ago, in, in especially in the 80s, of hijacking airplanes, that that will get news and it will make the news and it will help the group's message, whatever that message might be, get more publicity and reach a broader audience that potentially can help them with their cause or gain supporters to their cause. When you look at kind of the main groups behind political violence all over the world, like who are the big ones that we're talking about? Well, that's a very loaded question because there are many groups with many different ideologies across the spectrum. Currently, we're seeing violence that is both causal in the sense that there's a cause backed behind it, as well as violence that is based on causes, but also with a religious tinge. But when I say religious, I don't necessarily mean it represents the religion that a group is saying that they're representing. And so there have been waves of terrorism, as they call it. And right now, we do see an uptick in jihadist terrorism, which we've seen for a number of years. And since then, we've seen more religious violence, which there's a theory that violence that has a religious angle to it tends to be more lethal because there is less restraint in the sense that it is something that potentially in a group's ideology is condoned by a higher power. So there's less restraint in the sense of victims and the types of victims. However, we've also seen political violence that does have angles of more right-wing white supremacist leanings. Um, that's something we're also seeing an uptick in. But it also gets quite complicated because, of course, in the States, for something that maybe from the outside looking at it, from seeing it on the news or hearing about it in a newspaper, we might think right away, well, oh, that's terrorism. However, our justice system, sometimes it's much easier to try someone in the court of law, not on terrorism charges, but more on um, hate hate crimes and so forth just because of the way our justice system works some of the shootings that maybe someone would say no that's terrorism because they do have an angle that's trying to change some sort of part of the political society however it isn't like a, a an attacker isn't charged on terrorism charges so when you kind of look at what's happening in the states is Domestic terrorism, the biggest the biggest kind of cause for concern, or are we still more worried about foreign terrorism? I would say that foreign terrorism is always 
a potential issue. I mean, we do have a lot of implementations that we've established here in the States since September 11th, which does make it a lot harder for groups to, overseas groups, let's put it that way, to stage attacks in the U.S. And I think that's also partly why we saw less ISIS or ISIS-inspired attacks here in the States versus what we saw in the last number of years in European countries. However, that doesn't mean that we won't see potentially threats that are either called homegrown threats or lone wolf is another term. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate on what we should really call them. However, we also have seen a huge uptick since Obama was elected in more right-wing, extreme right, whatever you want to term it, groups or militias here in the States. And we have not actually seen those groups or even leaderless movements reduce. We have seen an increase in attacks that maybe it might be on the part of one individual or a couple of individuals. However, it falls under some of the ideas of this extreme right and the concept of like a leaderless movement. And it gets very tricky because in the States, we of course have the First Amendment and freedom of rights and freedom of speech. And when it comes to foreign groups, we have a foreign terrorist list that groups are designated on that list. And when you get into more propaganda and things found on the internet and content on the internet, it's a lot easier to take down content that is attributed to one of these groups on the foreign terrorist list. When you look at those kind of groups, the ones here in the States, the right-wing white supremacy, like what are they trying to accomplish? What's the goal behind the violence? Once again, that is a loaded question because it's, it's hard to say that each group or each movement has the same goals. There are multiple branches, if you could call them that, or narratives or ideologies that stem from a greater greater concept, but that all have sort of different things that they're aiming for. I can highlight some of the main things that we see broadly over the more right-wing white nationalists and all of the other things that fall under that spectrum. Um, one is, of course, the issue of race and, of course, white power. So a lot of the things you see with neo-Nazi groups, etc. Um, there are a handful of elements broadly that are looking at the concept of government and there are ideas that the government is too big or too involved in American society and therefore it needs to change. And more extreme elements may say that it needs to change by bringing down the whole system and then rebuilding. So it's this idea of almost a utopian idea of create or escalate violence or elements that will escalate unrest so that eventually the system falls and then a group of individuals will come in and rebuild society into this idea of what they think it should be. 
And there's a lot of debate in the field about a concept of accelerationism. And I am not an expert on that, but I can kind of give you a brief idea of the main concept, although there's a lot of elements within that that certain scholars and academics debate on. But accelerationism is this idea that you accelerate the process of a societal collapse, so therefore you can rebuild the society into what you think it should be. And while we see that with groups here in the States, uh, we also could say in a sense that certain jihadist groups could also fall into that. And I know this will be very controversial, but if you look at ISIS per se, ISIS had its goal of creating a caliphate during its heyday and ruling land and having this so-called state. Of course, they lost the territory as we've seen now, although they're trying to regain some of it. However, ISIS also had an apocalyptic angle to its message and its um, goals. And Will McCants wrote a great book called ISIS Apocalypse that's all about this. And if you think about that, the idea of bringing on the apocalypse or the collapse of society, it's almost something that a lot of groups at some point have in the back of their minds of collapsing society or having an apocalypse, then therefore you build a utopian society afterwards. Um, I mean, a lot of the narratives here in the States that we're seeing is also very anti-immigrant, anti the other, there's this concept of othering in psychology and social sciences of groups look at themselves as, you know, you're a member of a group, but everyone else that's not a member is outside of the group. They're an other. And when individuals take othering to the extreme, because of course we could say, looking at it as an analogy of sports teams here in the States, someone could say that they like baseball team A. And then you have a friend that likes baseball team B and, you know, each one is a member of or supports a different group. And yes, you can see that your friend that likes baseball team A is the other and it's more a fun thing. And, you know, you joke about your team being better and so forth. But if you take that to the extreme and we see this with violence in general and in terrorism studies, you can actually look at the other and start dehumanizing them as an individual. We see this with hate crimes and as well in terrorism. And when you look at someone so much as an other and dehumanize them, then it's much easier to commit acts of violence against them because you don't really see them as human. Um, and we're seeing some of this to an extent, like I said, with rhetoric on anti-immigrant um, and so forth and individuals from different nationalities and races, unfortunately. And it's it's hard to at times separate some of this rhetoric with things we do here in, in coming from politicians, because we have seen a lot of debates on immigration here in the States. And so I think while that comes from more of a political debate, sometimes these ideas fuel more extreme elements to take on these narratives and and adjust them to their own liking and their own messaging to gain support. So when I look at some of the ones, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but some of the ones here in the States and other places, it seems almost as if like, it's the 
the dog chasing the car, so to speak. Like with these groups, if they got what they want, would they really even know what to do? Right? Like let's say this movement in the States takes down the government. Well, now what? Like, do they have any kind of organization or are they just kind of trying to start the revolution and see what happens? That's a really great question. And I personally cannot answer that. I don't think, I mean, some will probably disagree with me, but I don't think that a lot of these movements in the States, at least in their current form, are strong enough, have the resources and the manpower to actually overthrow the governments. I think some of them have capabilities enough to create more civil unrest. How are some of these different groups using the internet? I know that's one of the things that you kind of study. Yeah, so it's interesting. Once again, it's similar and different depending on the types of groups we're talking about. I'm sure some of your listeners at least have heard about the Islamic State, ISIS, um, and their use of the internet because they really kind of took the internet and what it had to offer to the next level. ISIS came on the scene, of course, during this age where there was much more fluidity and you could be your own propagandist and own content creator where they were actually very smart with their media capabilities. And this was from everything from using these platforms to also using software and creating videos that were actually really, most of them really well done, not all of them, but they, they had capabilities where the editing and the way that they, the stories within these videos and the way the videos were done were very dynamic. And depending on where you stood on the spectrum, like if you were someone that potentially was looking at ISIS as a group that you might want to join, the videos in the heyday of ISIS were really well done to the extent that um, they were engaging. I mean, even as a researcher, you can see the difference between older groups and how they used media and videos between ISIS group uh, videos and groups as well as using platforms like they used to use more social media platforms that were not as heavily um, encrypted. They later moved to encrypted platforms, but before they were on Twitter and had a very strong presence on Twitter until about 2016 when Twitter heavily cracked down on ISIS accounts and any ISIS supporter accounts. But before that, you know, they were disseminating content, links to content across other websites and and sharing sites and other social media platforms where you could also get content. And so they, they really knew how to utilize these platforms to spread their message, spread their propaganda, hijacking hashtags. Like for at one point they hijacked a Justin Bieber hashtag and, and flooded Twitter with ISIS propaganda. So if anyone went to this Justin Bieber hashtag, they started seeing ISIS content. Changed the game a little bit. It made ISIS and its supporters move to encrypted platforms, which their favorite one was Telegram. And on Telegram, it still allowed them to disseminate all of their content, including everything from the videos to newsletters to magazines, um, ISIS-inspired GIFs and memes. And so it gave them an environment of 
supporters and like-minded individuals. It also cut down on how much they could recruit because it was or it is telegram is an encrypted platform and therefore you need to have access to it and then when you have access to it you have to find access to channels or chats that are isis supporters or isis news um, agencies and so forth but as as researchers and the tech companies and industries realized what was going on through the years it's they've become much better at um, getting rid of content and preventing it from being spread across different platforms there's a organization gift ct that works with some of the big names like google and youtube and also smaller entities to share information when when something is posted on one website so say like a video is posted on youtube they can identify that content through digital hashes and then the digital hashes are shared amongst a whole consortium of tech companies and social media companies etc which can take that content off of all the platforms all at once but they do tend to try to go to platforms that are a little bit more secure that have some sort of encryption but they also are on platforms like TikTok, and um, we've seen them on WhatsApp, and uh, Rocket Chat is another one. So when we think of content from more of the right-wing white supremacist groups, once again, that gets a little bit more complicated because of freedom of speech and laws on being able to post things, especially here in the States. So a lot of content tends to stay on platforms unless it violates their terms of service or use, um, which as a user of, say, Twitter or Facebook, when you have an account, you agree to abiding by these terms of service or use. Um, so that's a whole nother can of worms. Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted questions oh my oh okay yes let's let's try this out <laughs> hopefully i'll be able to answer them what scares you mm. wow you know no one has ever asked me that question and i think that's a fabulous question and it can go in so many directions but i for me personally what scares me is not necessarily related to say terrorist groups, political violence, it's it's more looking at, especially here in the States, I'd say, I feel like there's a greater division of society than I remember growing up. I mean, I'm an American citizen. I've lived overseas as well, but I've spent most of my life in the States. And I, I don't feel like in my lifetime... I've witnessed a time where people are so divided and I feel like unfortunately the division is creating, I wouldn't say a culture, that's not the right word, but it's creating an environment that it's, it's very hard to have a rational conversation with individuals about topics, whether it might be politics or say like the protests we've seen here in the States and, and, I feel like facts and entities and individuals that we used to be able to look at as 
figures that would provide straight facts and, and, and reliable facts, like we don't always have that anymore. And, and as someone that kind of sometimes does a deep dive with extremist groups and psychology of individuals involved and narratives and propaganda and so forth, like you do see that somewhat. And, and so I think that scares me is that that lack of rational thinking that I'm witnessing in our society here in the States. Is there a kind of a common theme among people who get sucked into these different groups? Uh, you know, that's something that all of us, including researchers from years ago, before my time, um, people have always wanted sort of a profile of of someone that will become a terrorist. And I think maybe people that watch um, especially TV shows that have to do with true crime or shows that are based around investigations and so forth of crime. You know, there's this idea that there's a profile of a serial killer or a profile of a rapist. And people have tried to come up with a profile of someone that will get involved in, in terrorism or political violence. And to this date, we do not have one. It's all the research we've seen. It's very much a personal process and very individualized. There are some things that people might have in common, but once again, it's not everyone. It can be everything from we've seen people that are disgruntled about something that they see in their society or their, their environment. And, and this level of disenfranchisement or, or disgruntledment can lead to more feelings of anger where they get to the point that they think the only way they can express these feelings is through violent actions. Um, We've also seen where, especially for instance, with individuals that traveled to ISIS from foreign countries that were not involved in Syria or Iraq, so what we call foreign fighters, um, like individuals we saw, a handful of groups of friends uh, that went from countries like the UK and they traveled together for ISIS, to ISIS to join the group. Um, and, and this kind of falls into this idea of sometimes people, it's, it's going with a crowd or going along with their friends um, or looking for an adventure or also the concept of being involved in something that they think is bigger than themselves. So, when you kind of look at individuals that have relayed their story of getting involved in groups, a lot of the time you can actually at points relate to some of the things they say. Like sometimes people truly thought that a group and their motives was for a good cause. Feet to the fire. You had to pick one. Who's the most dangerous group out there right now? Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure I could say there's a most dangerous group because they all are, there are a lot of active groups. They all have different motivations and and different things that they want. I mean, if you had asked me that question, say a couple of years ago, I would would have said ISIS just because they were highly active and fairly well organized in the sense of getting individuals and motivating individuals to join them and then also commit acts on their part. But now, I don't know if it's necessarily a specific group. I do see 
the rise in this extreme alt-right, right-wing narratives that we're seeing as dangerous, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're dangerous on the level of attacks. Like, I don't, I don't see that it's on the level of like what we saw on 9-11 and so forth. So I, I couldn't really say that there's the most dangerous group. I think there are a lot of active groups and we will probably see groups across multiple spectrums take advantage of governments that are preoccupied with COVID-19 because that is kind of what's putting a strain on a lot of countries right now. That's pretty much all the questions I have. What's coming up next for you? Oh, next for me is continuing my PhD, which I'm highly involved in. So that's a long process, of course. So dissertation research and writing and so forth. And then continuing research, of course, um, specifically on groups' use of the internet and platforms. Um, and other than that, I guess it's it's kind of like a day-by-day thing at this point. I want to thank Chelsea so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included her information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Hello, Nick. Oh, my God. I thought we were done with this. Are you still trying to do this? How are you? Come on, man. It's hilarious. I'm in slow motion. Just figured I'd open it up with a little slow motion action like what Juvenile said back in the day. Man, is that way back in the day, too. You know, (laughs) that's so far back in the day, that's one of those things you don't realize. That's like 20 years old. It's like 20 (laughs) years old, right? Like Macaulay Culkin just turned 40. Holy crap. Yeah, okay. I didn't really think you were going to take it there, but now I feel old. So, all right. Uh, (laughs) What's going on? What we got today? Let's let's just reset. We'll keep moving forward. I'm sorry. Okay, are you a fall guy? Uh, I have to ask. You're talking about the season, right? Yeah, I don't know what what else we could possibly be talking about. I don't know what corners of the internet you're hanging out in, but if, there, if, if that means something else, go ahead and let me know. <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure here, you know, because I would have said, of course, I love fall, and then you would have been like, I meant like if, you know, if someone that you know commits a crime and they ask you to take the fall, would you? So, no, anyways, uh, yes, I love fall. I think it's actually my favorite season. Wow. Why? Uh, I mean, I, I, lo- I love how the – man, this sounds really bad. I love how the, the cooler air. I like siren donuts. I like, you know, the the changing of the seasons. What did you say about donuts? I said I like I, I cider and donuts, you know, going to, but I like to go to cider mills. I like to go to, you know, to wineries, things like that in the, in the, in the fall and just enjoy the, the cool, crisp air with a nice, you know, uh, glass of cider or, or, or something like that. Wow. I honestly can't think of anything more boring than a cider mill. Like if I was going to tour any kind of facility, a box factory, I would at least be interested in the different sizes of boxes that they had there. 
I don't think anything would be less interesting than a cider mill. Like that's a cider is the worst kind of alcohol. It's the lamest alcohol of all alcohols. Cider. I mean, have I assume because you have uh, you know two young children, you've been to a cider mill before. No, why would I waste my time doing that? I would rather if I had a choice. If I had a choice. Like you can stare at the wall. You can go to a cider mill. I would probably stare at the wall. I mean, it's actually a good time. And if you go to the one of the more commercially developed ones, they usually have, you know, you can see the, the process. You can see them making like food like donuts along with the cider. They have a petting zoo, you know, things like that. It's just like a, and it's, it's usually chillier outside. Like it's not cold, but it's chilly. It's just a good time. I, how many times a year you go to a cider mill? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I have a crazy wife that when we moved up here, oh yeah, it's her. She fault. wanted to go. She wanted to go to at least uh, like seventy percent of the ones up here. So within the first two years of me coming back to Michigan, no joke, I've counted them out. I went to nineteen cider mills. <laughs> and that, that, that is no exaggeration like that is to the number like i've counted them because i can't believe first off there's that many in the area and there's way more and that i've been to at least 19 of them i mean how different is one cider mill from another besides the name at the front of the cider mill oh god like there is no difference but beyond the the you know like obviously it'd be the bigger ones and the smaller ones but you know there is no difference they all they all do the same thing but for some reason, my wife wants to go. There's no difference at all. You're right. Except for the one literally that was <laughs> uh, a corner store that actually imported their cider and donuts <gasps> from another place. Wow. That should be illegal in the cider mill industry. That's fake <laughs> cider mill right there. That needs a full investigation. But guess what? We still bought cider and donuts because we had to. Because we went to that one, and we had to cross it off a list. You know what? I Even this whole conversation, I really have absolutely no interest in a cider mill whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I, but I feel like you didn't already. And I'm, I'm impressed that you've actually maintained a little bit of interest this far. Like, I really am. You're doing a great job. It's more of like a making fun of you interest. Okay, give me your best <laughs> cider mill fact. In 19 trips to a cider mill, what is one thing that you have learned? Well, I, I don't know if this is if this is for every meal, but at one meal, it took them two weeks to make one batch of cider. From the beginning of the process to the end, it t it takes two weeks to make cider. How long did it take some of the other mills? Like, is this a crappy mill that didn't know what was going on? Yeah, it had to have been because there's other mills I've been to where like they literally make it. You start at the one end, and by the time you're done with the tour, it's like, oh hey. You just watch them make this. Here it is. And they give you like a glass of it. And it tastes like shit, right? Because there's no like added stuff in it. There's no sugar yet. It's just literally like the apple cider. So it is what it is, man. Okay. But, I mean, know, mo <sighs> most of the time they're in old buildings. Or, you don't, you, listen, you don't care. All right. Do you, do you like fall? I would think you don't like fall because you've grown up in places that are generally hot all year round. I, I generally don't like anything that people talk about excessively. So as soon as everybody starts to talk about fall, I don't like it. 
soon as everybody goes and sees a movie, I don't like that. Like, I just don't want to hear about what things or people are doing. Just go about your day and leave me alone about it. I don't want to go online and see 50,000 different pumpkin spice lattes and fall sweaters. Oh, man. I will. That is, now, that is something that I, I do not partake in, and I have no interest. Okay, well. The pumpkin spice latte BS. All right. Well, if we get any interest, um, John Shaw would be very happy to rank all of the cider mills that he's gone to on Twitter <laughs> at some point. I don't imagine him ever having to do this because no one could possibly care about going to a cider <laughs> mill more than him. But let's just move along. What do you got? All right. Let's give uh, let's give some, some shout-outs this week here. Uh, I'm profoundly pointless. Social media. Uh, let's start with Herman, Tori, uh, V, thank you very much, uh, Robert, Laney, Doug, uh, Felicia, Allie, Mary Poppins, which I'm sure that's not the real name, but I give them some credit for trying. You don't think and that's their last... real name? <laughs> hey, who I mean, it only has one P, so maybe it actually is, but, and if I just offended you, I apologize greatly. But uh, either way, it's a it's a fantastic name. What, and then what, uh, what, we'll end with Matt. So what appreciate fi- everyone checking us out. Uh, you know where we're at in social media. What fictional character would be the worst fictional character to share a name with? Oh, I mean, I, I don't even know to be honest. I mean, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, Maybe Darth Vader. <laughs> like you're gonna get endlessly made fun of if you had the same name as that fictional character. Or like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty would definitely be up there. Um, yeah, I mean, most people don't name their children those names, though. But, but you could do it accidentally. Like, you, maybe you didn't know. Maybe you've never seen Star Wars, and your name happened to just, you just happened to name your kid Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, that's like, I mean, I want, now, now I want to know, are there... There has to be Luke Skywalkers in the world, but I, I guess there's no way to know if their parents knew of the movies when they were named. I don't know. I would think that if somebody is named that, like it's been, they went in there and legally changed their name at some point. Like they were probably, <laughs> they probably weren't born with the last name Skywalker. And they went in there and like changed it. It's okay. My name is Padme Amadala. No big deal. I'd go Padme Amadala after Luke, before Luke Skywalker. I mean, no offense, because I know you're a big Star Wars guy, but Luke Skywalker kind of sounds like a porno name. Does a little bit. <laughs> so does Han Solo, but anyways. That... Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of all do. Well, every name sounds like a porn name, if you think about it. Any kind of movie name. All right, let's just move on. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, Mike's Hard or Truly? Which one are you going to go with? <laughs> I thought it is. I was just like, what the hell? Don't segue from porno to Mike's hard and expect any <laughs> kind of a response. I, I honestly, because you and your speech impediment, you, I thought you were just Mike's hard. Like, yeah. okay, who is he? I asked this question because I had a, <laughs> I had a, I, a light cider which was only uh, three carbs the other day, and I actually enjoyed it. So then I was thinking of asking you this question, but I went with Mike's Hard and Truly's because those are, I think, the most known. But it was actually enjoyable. Like, 
I was surprised. I don't understand why you're bringing up the three carbs. Do you look at the amount of carbs in a drink and say, oh, five carbs? That's not going to be good. Seven carbs? Definitely want that. It's all about the carbs. Like you're basing your taste profile off of the number of carbs on the can? No, and I I, I never have. But the wife bought them and I was thirsty. Stop blaming everything on her. You're a responsible adult. They they were available in my home, and I tried one, and I was quite surprised, even though it was like drinking water, but like I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel like I just drank a, and it's not a beer, it's a cider, but like I didn't feel like I just had a beer, you know what I mean? Like I didn't feel all, you know, like all gassy and all this other stuff and all carb loaded, like it was just light and refreshing. I was surprised. Okay. Can you just answer the question, Mike's harder or truly? <laughs> Stop deflecting because you don't want to answer. <laughs> My God. All right. I won't agree really that. Really, truly, whatever. I, I don't care. Who? Mike's hey, hard. Bob. Fine. I don't uh, like. I don't. I don't mind taking a full big swig of Mike's hard. I'll take all of Mike's hard stuff down my throat. Oh boy! All right. Um, I got into a a little bit of an argument with my wife over this, so I'm curious to know what what you think. Um, when you're eating cereal, uh, do you drink it, or do you put a lot of milk in the cereal, or do you just put enough just to like keep the cereal, you know, a little a little wet? No, I do exactly what you're supposed to do, which is you put in milk. Until the cereal raises to the level of the top of the bowl, and then you stop. Okay. That's what you do. (laughs) Sure. I mean, listen, I don't – I put just just enough in there, like, so I get more more dry cereal than than I do soggy cereal, if that makes any sense. Do you try to, like, mix it? Do you turn it over a little bit? All right. (laughs) So if you're going to get half a bowl of cereal, how much milk are you putting in there? Estimated uh, in terms of capfuls of milk. <laughs> um, probably four. Oh, that's not enough milk. Yeah, that's just wrong. why even bother? Have you ever had? Have you ever had cereal with water? Uh, no. Have you? Yeah, so it's too cheap to buy milk. I'm not going to the store to buy milk for no reason. <laughs> My kids don't need to eat. Put some water in it. It's the same damn thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might try it. I've never done it. I've done the beer, beer and cereal thing before in college, being a dumbass. But it's I've, uh, I've never, honestly never now that water. I reflect on it, it's not very good. And I'd recommend <laughs> against it. Really, I was just too cheap. <laughs> I'll try. I mean, listen. I'm sure it's going to taste like shit because I don't eat good cereal, according to my wife. Um, but I'll try it. Man, are you guys all right? You guys have a lot, of, a lot of shade being thrown at your wife in this episode. Are you <laughs> no, guys all right? I don't think I've said any. I don't think I've really given her any shade. I mean, you I just... accused her of making you go to cider mills. You accused her of making fun of your cereal selections. You said that you're the boss of the house. I mean, there seems to be some tension there. Listen, anyways, next question. Um, And this goes along with our top five here. Uh. You have to pick one actor to watch a marathon of movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because I just don't want to, I don't feel like I'd want to hang out with Sylvester Stallone that much. 
Sylvester Stallone seems like he's much more annoying than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I don't know about that. I think Arnold has uh, more movies that I enjoy. Okay. All right, so segueing into our top five, our top five is top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. What do you got? What's your number five? Uh, I got to go with Commando. That's way too high for Commando. That's in a ridiculous list that you should just go throw away right now. <laughs> Commando is one of the greatest action movies of all time, and it's a foolish decision to put that at number five. Okay. I'm, I, I Top line, one of the top action movies of all time. But he's done some good movies, or been in some good movies, and I, I just, I, I don't think it, it's, you'll see, it's number five for me. What's your number five? I didn't realize this, but it's Commando. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so? <laughs> I forgot I put Commando at number five, too. Uh, what's your number four? <laughs> enough, enough said. Um, I'm going with Terminator, the original. Ooh, no, that's a ridiculous decision. That's okay. not a first of all, that's not really an Arnold Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger vehicle, right? That's really not about him as so much. He doesn't play a huge role in that. He has a significant role in Terminator 2, but Terminator 1 not really an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie in my mind. I mean, uh, he but he I don't know how you can't say it's like uh not a vehicle so to speak like he is the reason why well, he's not necessarily the reason, he's the product of the reason of the movie, right? Like, he's, you know... He, I still think he's the star. You don't think he's the star of the first one? Not really. I don't really see him as the star of the first one. I definitely seen him as the star of the second one, but not really the first one, necessarily. Now, he may have, like, kind of taken over, right? Like, he steals the scene every time, but I don't think he's really the star of it. I bet, okay. he, I bet if you went and looked at, like, how many minutes he's actually in the movie, it's probably not that much. We'll have to get our research department on it. We had an intern at one point. I don't know what happened to him. Ironically, he just texted me. Like, literally right now, he just texted me. What's your number four? Twins. I mean, I take a deep sigh because I appreciate what you're doing. Because, right, like, Arnold has, like, five set movies that probably should be top five. I don't think Twins is in that list, but I appreciate what you're doing. Okay. I mean, I think it's a strong candidate. Right, I think it's I've a really. I thought it's kind of dumb. That movie. Are you calling Danny? Are you talking shit on Danny DeVito? <laughs> I, I I guess I am. I, I I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't say talking shit. It's just to me. I, you know, the movie does nothing for me. I guess I don't know. I I don't think Arnold's very funny. So when you try to stick him in in that kind of role, to me, it's just not that. Like, there's a movie he did called Jingle All the Way. Where, he, where it's like a comedy, but to me it's not funny because I don't find him very funny. Okay. So. Well, I didn't find thoughts. I didn't find out anything about Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator and how much screen time he has. I did find out, though, the words I'll be back was originally supposed to be all comeback. <laughs> but, but he fucked it up? I didn't read that far into it. I lost interest. All right, well, fair enough. Uh my number three, and this is probably the only dark horse I have on the list, is True Lies. I've, I've, I mean, it's a popular movie. I've heard people really like True Lies. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. I wouldn't even put it on my honorable mention, but I've heard people like it. Okay, I mean... It, it doesn't stand out to me. It's everything you think it is, and to be honest, 
I think the star of the movie is actually Jamie Lee Curtis, but that's just my opinion. Not that one terrorist guy? Or the one lady <laughs> who did, like, she had one good movie and then she dropped off the face of the earth? Yes, Eliza Dushku, right? His daughter? Oh, I was talking about the other lady. Like, the villain lady. Oh. Oh, uh, I know, yeah, I know you're talking How about. How do you just throw out the name Elijah Dushku like everybody <laughs> knows what it is? Uh, well, for one, she was one of my, you know, childhood crushes. Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, listen, if, if you will, if, if she will never listen to this podcast, but if she ever did, you know, just know you had at least one admirer out there. I thought she was great. And then she, like, just fell off the face of the earth. Did you get a poster? <laughs> no, I did not have a poster of her. Did, I, had a po- I, had, I had a poster of, I hate to say this out loud, Britney Spears growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yep. Wait a minute. Did someone buy it for you as a present, or did you go to the store and get it? And also, what store did you even go to to buy that, and why did they allow you, allow you to buy that? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, uh, oh, geez. um, I got it as a gift, but I know it was purchased at Hot Topic. Okay. Who gave it to you as a gift? <laughs> My mother. Yeah. I don't think that your father would be buying you that. And to be clear, no. if you like, it's, it's not, it's not that anybody else would have a picture, a poster of Britney Spears. It's the fact that you had it. That's what's funny and ridiculous that you had it. Why did you have it, and how many pairs of socks did you go through once you got it? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I first off, I never hung it up, which you're not going to believe, but that's true, because I was embarrassed to get it. Um, I'm pretty sure I got it because she was like my ultimate, you know, boy fan crush back in the day. I mean, I think she was for a lot of teenage boys during that time. Yeah. Um, I don't understand. You know, that's why. I don't understand the point of why anybody would get a teenage boy any sort of poster of a girl in his room. There's only one thing that's going to be happening there, right? <laughs> that's a ridiculous thing to do. I mean, maybe, maybe that was the point. Maybe, you know. Your mom wanted you to, to practice? I, I, do I, can we just move on? What's your number three? John, why are all the cantaloupes disappearing now that I got you this poster of Britney Spears? <laughs> By golly, John, the, there's no more lotion in the bathroom. Why is it all on your nightstand? How many boxes of Kleenexes have you gone through lately? <laughs> I have two boys at home, and I just find that hilarious that one day I do explain that to their mom. Like, you know one day you're going to walk in there. And you'd be like, oh my god, Logan, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know what was worse there, your your impression or the fact that you just said that uh, out loud. But I, I think most dads can agree with you that I have boys. I mean, just a matter of time before you walk in and they're... It's a matter of time for the bathroom door is locked a lot. Um, <laughs> ironically, my number three is pumping iron. Okay. I, I left that off the list because I, I don't, and 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 I don't consider that a movie. But what do you consider it? <laughs> Look at you get all. I knew you were going to get defensive. I, it's it's a documentary to me, which which I know is still classified as like 
as a, as a you know a, a movie, but like I, I, he has so many just standalone action movies that to me that is not like considered uh, uh, that I didn't want to consider it on my list. So man, Elijah Dushku has been in some crappy movies since then. <laughs> Listen to these movies that she's been in since then: okay. The Scribbler, Wrong Turn, <laughs> Eloise. Like I've never even heard. I mean, she still looks good. I mean, I oh wait, that, that was ten years wrong ago. Wrong Turn was actually a decently popular movie. She's a Mormon and has a Mormon themed tattoo. I didn't know that. Hmm. <laughs> We're gonna have to tag her in some social media, and you know, hopefully she'll listen to this. She'll probably be happy. Oh, probably not. She's probably not talked about ever, so she'd probably be excited to know that there's two losers talking about her. Oh man. She hasn't really done anything since 2017. Poor Elijah Dushku. Well, she really hasn't done anything <laughs> since 2011. What are we talking about? Like, we're sweet dudes. Uh, what's your number two? Uh, I did. Oh, yeah, you said your, uh, your number three. My number two is T2, Terminator 2. Okay, it's me too. Me too. Terminator okay, 2 as number, well. I, I know our number one's unanimous, so we have the same number two and number one, which is kind of messed up. Okay, on the count of three, let's say it. One... Two, eraser. <laughs> uh, predator. Yeah, predator. Predator is easily the best Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I would make a strong argument that that scene of them shooting in the jungle is the best action movie scene of all time. It's it's damn near close. I mean, it's just such a good movie. I I, I don't know what else to say about it. If you've never seen it, even if you're not an action movie fan, you need to see it. Give me your so. Give me your favorite scene from that movie besides the gun shooting scene. Uh, probably when him and, uh, I forget his name in the movie, <laughs> yeah. but Apollo, Apollo Creed, you know, meet up and they, they hook arms or hands and there's <laughs> like sweaty arms for no reason and right. their biceps are just bulging out. Can, well, anyways. Can you tell me what he says? Can you tell uh, me I what he not, says to I, him? I don't remember, no. Something about the CIA has you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> Carl Weathers. Neither one of those guys were pushing pencils in that movie, I can tell you that. What's ironic is that Carl Weathers, I think, was a professional athlete. He could probably... I mean, I don't know how... Like, obviously, Arnold was big and strong, but I don't know how athletic he was. Carl Weathers might be able to take him off of pure athletic ability. But like, I've always saw guys like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Wesley Snipes would kick the shit out of them in real life. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme was like a legitimate, he did some fighting stuff, right? I think he was a legitimate dude. I don't know about Wesley Snipes. I don't know if he had any kind of training. Like, like I love The Rock. Everyone knows this. But I feel like Jason Statham in real life could kick The Rock's ass. Why do you feel like Jason Statham is tough? I don't understand that at all. Because I could be wrong, but I, I believe he's—I believe he's trained in martial arts and stuff. Like he is—he's actually fought, you know, or, or, or he's trained like in you know real uh, uh, karate and things like that. I know he was I, a the, diver. <laughs> uh, what's in your? I don't know. I kind of was looking up stuff and wasn't really paying Got attention. Um, let's see. I had to put the last action hero in there. What? Um, what? The Expendables is a fun movie, though I don't think I'd ever put it on a top five list. Uh, Kindergarten Cop I put on there. 
and then um, uh, I'm trying to figure out what I wrote, so I'm not going to even say it because I think I tried writing down total recall, but it looks like something completely different. But I think I meant to write total recall down. Running Man, also underrated. And the Conan movies, not maybe the first one, but the second one, which I don't remember which one is the first one. Is either Conan? I think there's Conan the Destroyer and Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian is the better one in my mind. Okay, I don't think I've really seen either of them, to be honest. They're up there, man. They're pretty good movies. There's a great line from one of the Conan ones. Do you know it? No. All right. Um, I still think. And I get hated on by everyone that I say this to. So please hate on me because I deserve it. But I still think his performance as Mr. Freeze was not as terrible as they say. Wow. I know. I know. Well, I think that he was being what he was supposed to be. I wouldn't say it's good. Oh, we forgot about Kindergarten Cop. That's a good one. No, I I had that on my honorable mention. Oh, I wasn't listening. That's, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> what else is new? I appreciate you just calling me and, and, and talking to me as my friend. Oh, he wasn't like him. Jason Statham didn't do martial arts, but he was a stuntman. Okay. I love that's what you're like fact checking. <laughs> How old do you think Jason Statham is? I'm just going to say 45. Well, whatever 1967 is. Oh, he's 53. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. He's much older than you think he is. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, would I do my honorable mention? My honorable mention is basically Running Man, Conan, Kindergarten Cop, Total Recall is a decent movie. And Junior. I do. Wasn't that the one where he's like a woman? Yeah, he gets pregnant. Oh. But How's he's that baby? Woman. Has anybody he's a man that gets pregnant? Has anybody checked on that baby? No, and I don't think anyone wants to. Imagine Arnold if Arnold had a baby. Imagine what that would look like. Yeah, probably his son. I think his son's a big weightlifter. All right, this is going downhill. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. Would love to hear what your top five Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are. I think there's a real argument for twins. I really do. You know, everybody's going to have Terminator 2 in there. Everybody should have Predator. But there's, there's definitely some argument for some of his other movies. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.